partners are our product. Partners are our moat. Partners are a distribution strategy. Partners are also a revenue strategy, but it's one of multiple different things that we get from our partners. Partners are brand recognition. Hello again, and welcome to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media, and as always, I will be your host and bartender today. I'm currently drinking a cocktail that I've never had before. It's called the Gold Rush, and it's a bourbon, honey, lemon, bitters combination that is really good, and you guys will have a chance to try it yourself, so listen at the end of the show on how you can get your own cocktail kit. But today, I am excited to share my conversation with Cody Jones. He's head of partnerships at Zapier, and he has a unique approach and perspectives on partnerships. Cody is what we would consider an OG in the SaaS world, and he'll talk through that in a bit. And I actually had not met Cody. He was introduced to me by a good friend of mine, Chris Lucas. Uh, Chris was one of the uh, early members at a company called Formstack, where Formstack was a partner of Zapier. Chris and I were talking about how partnerships should best be leveraged, what makes for a good partnership program, and he suggested I reach out to Cody, and I am really glad that I did. I'm excited to talk to Cody and really get his approach on how to build partnerships. So let's get into it and grab a drink with Cody. So talk to me about the partnership ecosystem at Zapier and your role as head of partnerships. So partners, as you kind of pointed out, are our product at Zapier. So for those that aren't familiar with Zapier, we allow you to connect your favorite apps and automate the uh, workflows between them. Um, so for us um, on the partnership side, you know, it is very important for us to have really good, clean integrations on our platform that enable our users to do whatever it is that they want to do. So on the partnerships team, our teams oversee the recruitment of getting the right apps on the platform. Currently, we've got over 2,000 plus integrations on the platform. Secondly, making sure that our partners maintain clean integrations. So our partners are in charge of making sure, well, they, they build to our platform and then get access to all of the 2,000 apps that we have available to their customers for free. And we just want to make sure that they maintain really good, useful integrations. And the third thing that we do with our partners is we grow through our partners. So Zapier does not employ a sales team. Our growth channels are through our SEO efforts and mainly through our partners. And so we work with our partners to make sure that they find value in our products and that they're recommending them to their user base. So those are kind of the three main things that we oversee on the partner team and um, have different teams making sure that happens. I did not realize that Zapier didn't have a sales team. Not at all. Kind of crazy, right? It's very crazy. And for some of our listeners, they're they're still working at perfecting how to hire the right BDR, what technology to add to their sales tech stack. So I'm I'm sure they're they're in the background playing the world's smallest violin, saying they don't have to, to deal with the sales team. But over sure. two thousand partnerships, how do you guys manage all of those? How is that team structured? So kind of along the lines that I mentioned, we've got a partner acquisition team um, focused on this is kind of cool, but we basically index the entire world of SaaS companies out there. If they're, if you're listening, you've got a number and you are on our list somewhere. And we take a prioritized approach as far as getting recruiting partners to come build on our platform. And um, so there's a team, uh, our, our partner acquisition team that kind of goes and makes that happen. 
Then we have our partner program um, where once a partner is live and on our platform, we make sure that through email, they kind of know how they're doing, how many bugs and, and feature requests they've got from users that would like to see more from the integration. And then uh, a bunch of different perks through our partner program. That's kind of our one-to-many. So managing 2,000-something SaaS companies can be a lot of work. So we, we depend heavily on automation. That's kind of what we do at Zapier. Um, and then for our partners that, um, you know, they're, they're strategic enough to Zapier where uh, it makes sense to have dedicated partner managers. We have a partner management team. So these are companies like Slack and Dropbox and, you know, HubSpot and you know, companies along those lines. Um, and then we have our strategic alliances team, uh, which is kind of our ecosystem partners like Google or Facebook or Microsoft, um, where they have millions, if not billions of users, and um, it's strategic in our to work together on product and where we're going down the road together. So, But managing those 2,000 partners, it really comes down to having a prioritized list of knowing which partners are really good for your business and being able to dedicate resources to that. Love that. Let's go a little bit into you and kind of how you got to be where you are. I'm sure little 10-year-old Cody did not dream of running partnerships at a technology company. So how did you get into B2B SaaS to start with? Yeah, um, it's a bit of a weird story, but uh, the fast version is um, I was supposed to go do commercial real estate. That's the family business. And uh, realized my dad worked really, really hard at that. But I actually served a mission for the LDS church down in Paraguay and spent two years from the ages of 19 to 21 selling basically the hardest thing in the world, which is religion. And I got back and um, I actually met, so I, I was um, kind of giving a, a, my congregation a quick download of what I've been doing for the last two years. And afterward, the CEO of a company called Infusionsoft, or now it's rebranded called Keep, um, walked up and said, hey, I'm Clayton Mask. Um, your dad's been sharing some of your letters with me and I'd like for you to come work with me. And I was like, cool, like, what do you do? <laughs> And little did I know, a week later, I started working at a startup. There were um, six people when I joined and spent 12 years kind of growing that from started in sales, took over sales from the CEO and uh, shared an office where we shared not only sales calls, but also personal family calls, which were sometimes intense, but learned a lot. And Clayt was a fantastic resource and mentor, taught me quite a bit. We grew that company from, I was the seventh employee all the way to 700 employees had a chance to run our sales teams and then take on partnerships and then our strategic kind of alliance work. And really, I wanted to be, become a student in customer acquisition, first in hand-to-hand -hand combat, kind of one-off sales to group sales, and then more importantly, how do you fish with nets um, and really grow through your partners? Was hoping to take that company public and that just didn't quite happen. And I reached out to um, a company that I thought was quite interesting, uh, the CEO, Wade Foster, over here at Zapier. I had watched them roll out something that we call multi-step zaps, which is the ability to daisy chain a whole bunch of things across a number of different tools. So I got a new lead on Facebook, and I want to put that into a Google spreadsheet, and I want to send it to MailChimp to kick off an email campaign, and I want to Slack message the sales rep. When I saw that happen, I was like, holy cow, they're going to change the way like software for SMB works. And so I reached out and, you know, there were 30 people at the time, ended up joining them to head up um, the partner efforts, which, I mean, it's funny, we were the partner company, but there was nobody focusing on partners. And so 
reached out to kind of work on that. And now we've got a strong, thriving team that focuses solely on our partners. Uh, we obviously have a very keen interest in startups. I mean, going from Infusionsoft at six people, growing that, but then wanting to get back into startup mode. I do think it's interesting that you cut your teeth doing product sales. How does partnership sales differ? What are And what are some of those transferable skills? The biggest difference between sales and partnerships is transactional versus long-term relationship. Um, if you are in sales and your goal is to get across that finish line and you get that thrill from closing the sale, um, you're going to have a hard time transitioning to partnerships. Conversely, there is the people in sales that long for a longer term relationship with that customer or partner. And those are the people that should be exploring partnerships. Um, partnerships is a world where you use a lot of the same skills you do in sales so borrowing from your ability to work through complex negotiations, red line contracts, uh, work a, a series of teams that you may or may not directly um, control or have report into you to a finished uh, line and some sort of a public you know, announcement. Uh, it's very similar to sales in that regard. But these are long-term relationships. And frankly, um, you have to have the stomach for multi-year type of engagements before you might even see a win or a payoff. Um, and so I think for anybody that's kind of considering partnerships versus sales, there's a lot of similarities, but I think your, your motivation, you've got to be a two marshmallow person. Let's put it that way. If you're, if your goal is to, if you've kind of read that study about this kids and the marshmallows, um, the kids that wanted that one single marshmallow rather than waiting 10 more minutes to get that second marshmallow, if they left it on the plate, you need to be focused on that second marshmallow, I think, to do very well in partnerships. So let's dive into partnerships a little bit deeper. What do you find that most companies get wrong in their approach to partnerships? I'll say this, specifically speaking about integrations, this seems to be something we run into a lot. Um, uh, back when I was at Infusionsoft, we would seek out these really cool um, name brand partnerships where you, the, the goal was well, if we do this integration or if we partner in this way, we're going to get so much exposure. You're going to be telling your customers all about our product. We're going to tell our customers all about your product. And at the end of the day, you just see these, the numbers just don't really add up. They're either trickling in or they're just really not worth the amount of time and energy and effort that you put into it. And I, I think that's typically the common mistake. Well, if we do an integration, of, we're going to be in their marketplace, yeah, along with a few other hundred <laughs> tools and suggestions uh, that, that, you know, it's kind of hard to stand out. And so I think one of the, the most, one of the common misconceptions is that, well, if we do an integration, that partner is obviously going to promote us and that we're going to see a lot of leads and exposure from it. And frankly, that's typically not the case. What we see is that you've really got a, you've got a limited number of bullets that you can fire when it comes down to product and engineering resources. And if you're going to do native integrations, you need to be focusing on customer issues and stories that you're really trying to solve for rather than like this massive marketing exposure. Sometimes that's true, but it's very rarely the case that that works out in that way. Well, and you bring up a good point. So in my experience, most mature SaaS sales and marketing teams have a defined ICP. So when you're looking at it from a partnership standpoint, how should brands devise their ideal partner profile, for lack of a better term? For us, it really mirrors your customer target, right? Um, so first off, who are your most successful customers? Where do they come from? Why do they find value in your tool? 
who is an aggregator of those types of customer profiles that really do well with your product. And so for us, when we, when we look at our ideal partners, um, it started to stand out pretty clearly where there were some of these smaller partners that they don't have the, necessarily the name brand uh, cachet that you might expect, but they were really good at recommending and promoting Zapier and they stood way out. And for us, when we got clear on, okay, what are our, our best customers look like? Okay, great. They share these common traits. Okay. Who are the partners that seem to have those types of uh, customer bases? And it really got into like use cases for us, like anybody with a form software is going to be a really good partner for Zapier. So when you're thinking about type form, form stack, jot form, gravity forms, things along those lines, even smaller form products that may not have a really strong user base, but this, the need is so strong. We also identified that for us, lead gen platforms, so like Zillow or obviously Facebook, uh, even I, we did something with LinkedIn and these types of partners um, may not have the most massive customer base, but the, the, the user need is so strong that it's a really good fit for us. So for us, um, starting with kind of like looking at the data, figuring out what the data says, and then we use that to map even a, a bunch more attributes. Are they enterprise? Are they SMB focused? You know, uh, what's their price point? Things along those, those lines allowed us to amass this pretty cool rubric and algorithm that we use to parse all of the potential partners that might be on our platform one day. Um, so like I said, we've got 2,000 public partners, but there's a list of 62,000 um, that we kind of have a really good idea of where we should be applying our energy. Um, and when it comes down to limited resources, which we all deal with, you know, we need to make sure that we're focusing on the right partnerships. And that is kind of how we think about that from Zapier's angle. But I think that advice applies to any type of partnership is really starting with who your customer is, who is an aggregator of that type of customer, and then working backwards from there. And with so many partners currently, at what point do, do you guys as Zapier start promoting the partnerships? And what do you think is the best marketing vehicles for that promotion? Um, and, and think of it if for our listeners, if whether they're you know, onboarding their, their first 10 partners or they're more mature in their partnership program, at what point do you start promoting them? And, and do you promote all of them when they first start? Oh, that's, such, that's a very good question. As you scale, that starts to be different. So I would say that your primary goal should be to wow your partners. If you wow your partners, your partners will bend over backwards to introduce you to their users. So at Zapier, we are very much focused on what is in it for our partners first. Like we want to make sure that if we ask a partner to do something that we are doing that for them. A really good example, every partner that launches on Zapier, we ask them to do a litany of things. Um, first, we want Zapier to be in their user onboarding emails. We want this uh, Zapier to be included in their help documentation. We want them to write a blog post. We want them to do a social post. We want them to do a dedicated email about Zapier. We want them to do um, in-product placement. So we ask them quite a few different things. But what's great is that everything that we ask our partners to do, we do that for them ourselves. Now, we've gotten to the point where we can systematically do that. So it's not something that's very one-off. It's kind of something that's, you know, we can rinse and repeat very quickly and easily, which allows us to kind of do this at scale. But I can truly say that we don't ask a partner to do anything that we're not going to do in return for them, which is a fantastic footing to start with. Um, and secondly, Zapier's got a lot of reach. We've got over 5 million uh, accounts on Zapier. So when we do these things, it does typically provide quite a bit of exposure for our partners. Um, but as you start to scale, as you mentioned, Lindsay, like it gets, 
uh, it can be challenging to do all of that. And so for us, we have with our with our partner index is what we call kind of that long list of partners. We know with certain partners, they're going to get some things that are maybe not included on the the menu for everyone. Um, these might be custom kitchen orders where we're working with them to deeply embed our product um, into their product. For example, with Facebook, every time you set up a Facebook lead ad, you're prompted to set up a Zapier integration right within their product that required extra engineering resources that required a bunch of go-to market support and things along those lines, right? Where these they're going to get a little, maybe different extra perks that are not uh, necessarily totally scalable and available to everyone. And so for us, um, it kind of comes down to one, Let's treat our partners how we would like to be treated. Two, let's make sure that it's scalable. Three, there are going to be perks that just not everybody gets. And that's kind of how you need to think about things on your end. And and for us, um, the things that you kind of heard me rattle off at the beginning are the things that we have found to be most effective in promoting our product to their user base. Uh, Kind of those evergreen uh, placements where users will continue to find um, Zapier um, when they're having those problems of, hey, I need to connect this to that type of a thing. So it sounds like at some point along the way, and I would imagine it wasn't at partner one, but you guys developed, for lack of a better term, a partner handbook or some sort of an onboarding process where when a partner's onboarded that these are, here's what we're going to do. Here's what's expected of you as a partner. And I think that is, that's great advice for earlier stage companies that might be just getting their partner program underway is operationalize that onboarding process so that it's not so labor intensive each and every time. And you're, to your point, you're not creating custom orders for every single partner, that it is a sort of tit for tat, rinse and repeat. Here's what, what's expected as partners and here's what we're going to give you. So that is very good advice. Yeah. And the only other thing I'd add to that is maybe just communicate that up front and early so that your partner knows what you're going to be asking of them. And, and if they can't commit to those things, maybe you should reconsider the partnership because um, those things are vital to make sure that you get the value out of whatever you've built. Yeah, absolutely. And something that we always say here as is, is a, is a partner. And if we're referring from our standpoint to our clients as partners is if your partner is expressing a goal, they have to respect your process on how to get there. They can't define both. So let's stop for a minute and talk about how to set partner relationships up for mutual success. Um, Cody had mentioned they have a onboarding process now with new partners that walks through as a Zapier partner, what they should expect, um, both from Zapier and what Zapier expects from them as a partner. And, And he mentioned it was something that took a while to get up and running and completely can relate to Blast Media. So we just celebrated our 15th anniversary. Woohoo! We have learned a lot over the last 15 years. Um, but one of the things I think was most important for us is that expectation setting for new clients and really putting together a process for onboarding that will ultimately set us up for success. So we initially, as an agency, we'd dive in right away, start pitching before we really we're able to dive in and fully understand our client's business. And that doesn't always set us up for success. And fast forward to today, and we have developed a stringent, very repeatable onboarding process for our clients that has external steps, internal steps. What are the deliverables? And it's not optional. And what that does is it provides that recipe that gives us the perfect cake that then we can start decorating. If you can't 
master that initial recipe, the whole thing falls apart. So it took us a while to develop that, but I do want to, I just want to really hit home that point of those of you that are out there, whether that's developing partnerships or bringing on new clients, setting up expectations up front and having those milestones and having a document, a process that sets you up for success that's repeatable and not optional is crucial in setting up any type of partnership for long-term success. So so let's get back to our conversation with Cody as he discusses the lessons they've learned while refining their partnership processes. We've operationalized our onboarding as well in terms of here's what we have to do upfront as a new partnership to set us up for success. And we can't skip that process, right? I mean, it's we've been in business for 15 years and we didn't have this together day one, year one, year five, but you know, over time that has some, is something that we've perfected. So I completely hear you in that. Heard you say in a previous interview that if you're operating in a crowded market, it actually gets easy, easier for you in terms of identifying partners. And, and that's surprising because typically you think things are harder when you're in a crowded market. So can you talk a little bit more about that idea? So here's the thing. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Somebody's already done the hard work. Somebody has spent, just to your point, you've spent 15 years perfecting the model. We've got 2,000 partners where, you know what, we didn't get it right a lot of times, but over time we did figure it out. And so I think one of the things to look at is that if you are in a competitive environment, your competitor might have already figured it out. And it's easy um, or maybe worthwhile uh, taking a page out of their book and figuring out uh, what that might look like for your business. For example, Zapier, we're looking at possibly an agency channel. We know that automation is confusing. And when we look at the competitive landscape of automation out there, guess what? There are similar analogs in other industries where this has already been solved. Really good example. Look at HubSpot, ActiveCampaign, Infusionsoft, Marketo. What do they all use to get automation to the world? They use agencies to do it. And so it's kind of funny for us to take our own advice, right? Like, um, well, they've been trying to help people figure out how to automate their processes, their marketing, et cetera. They're using a heavily reliable channel of agencies to both resell, implement, and support their products. And Zapier, we're over here trying to automate all the different products. And, you know, if you, if you reach out to us, you can get email support, but there's no one that will hop on the phone with you or meet with you face-to-face to do it. And so that's a really good example. Um, secondly, how can you partner with some of these people? For example, HubSpot, I mean, all those companies that we mentioned already have agency channels. Zapier is a highly complementary product to what those agencies are already doing on a daily basis for their users. Maybe we should plug right into that model. Maybe we should just, if you get HubSpot certified, you also get Zapier certified. I mean, how cool would that be, right? There should be like a giant asterisk on all of this stuff that I'm talking about. <laughs> but, to, but to illustrate that point that you asked about, um, competition can actually be very, very helpful at helping you get ahead uh, rather than spinning your wheels trying to create something new. I want to talk a little bit about the marketing of partnerships and, and certainly measurement of a partnership program. What's your relationship like with your marketing department? How often do you guys meet? Is that a regular meeting? How did how does that information flow happen? Um, details you can share on that. Yeah. So Zapier, this is a first in my career. Um, I um, I reported into our CEO for the longest time, but as we've grown, we've just we're over three hundred some employees now. 
I report into our CMO, which is a first for me. I've typically been I, on the CRO um, or even uh, CPO side. So product or, or revenue is kind of where um, partnerships typically is kind of s- straddled between somewhere in there. At Zapier, like I mentioned, we don't have sales teams. We don't have a revenue function. And it made no sense for us to sit within the growth arm of the, of the business. And so we actually, um, I meet weekly with our CMO. Um, we, are, we work, I work closely with all of the other leaders on the, the marketing team. And that's something where, um, I, mean, I mean, we have a weekly leadership meeting um, and we're kind of going through a lot of those different uh, KPIs and metrics and how we're performing and, and kind of what we need to be building next. And so at Zapier, we're probably a little bit odd um, in the fact that we are so aligned with marketing. Um, mainly because we don't have um, the traditional sales motions or channels that that most companies are are working with. So that we might be a little bit odd in that perspective, but extremely aligned with marketing um, as we sit in marketing. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Are there any particular shiny examples of a partner marketing campaign that you can recall that's gone particularly well for Zapier? We we kind of cracked this earlier on in our. Um, company's history. And it's kind of cool. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to Carlin Sack, who is now over at HubSpot. And so a good example is um, our, so there's, there's different kinds of marketing that you can do about your product that your partners can participate in. And that's what we always try to figure out is what's in it for our partners. We don't want them to just talk about Zapier. We want to talk about the value that they are getting and their users are getting and that Zapier happens to enable. So first off, make it about your partners. But this specific example, um, Carlin and Adam Duvander come to mind um, uh, where we had just crossed a thousand integration partners on our platform. And we wanted to have our partners be able to communicate to their users that, hey, we connect to over a thousand different tools via Zapier, of course. Uh, But here are some of the cool use cases and examples that you can use to do this. And so um, what that looked like was a partner marketing kit for over a thousand different partners at the time where it was a custom header. It was custom social images that would have their logo and our logo. Um, It was a blog post that we provided them with custom examples of how you could connect in this case, HubSpot to um, Google sheets or whatever it might be with a bunch of different examples that were unique to each partner. And that was kind of the dream of what we wanted to come up with. And so we worked, um, we worked internally to kind of create this entire campaign, all the assets. We did it automatically, which was fantastic. So it really scaled well. But we were able to go to market, not only with the fact that we were now had over a thousand partners on the platform, but our partners uh, were the ones really promoting this and, and celebrating this with us to their end users. And that worked really, really well as far as awareness, um, activation with relevant use cases that users could quickly swipe and deploy right from our partners' blog posts. And we had um, hundreds of our partners that fully engaged in that, which was fantastic. There's another one that comes to mind, a similar strategy, um, where we had a product announcement. So this is in 2016, which it's actually the announcement that brought me to the company, where we rolled out this multi-step zap. So the ability to say, you know, something from Facebook to uh, over to MailChimp, over to Salesforce, kind of like this long daisy chain thing of events that you could kind of bring together. Previous to that, you could only do, you know, one starting point to one end, end destination. Anyway, our partners, this opened up massive functionality so that you now had the ability to say, hey, you know, I'm MailChimp, but I know that I am one 
cog in the overall system for these SMBs where they're getting leads, they need them to come into MailChimp, they need them to go to a CRM, kind of this overall workflow. So we worked with our partners again in that same fashion where we tried to prepare them with content. We worked with a select about 20 something um, kind of like launch partners. And then obviously the content that we could kind of drip out to all of our other partners. But they all participated and were promoting this really cool functionality that unlocked new things for their users. But at the core of that was Zapier. Zapier was getting all this cool exposure. And so for us, um, again, kind of what we talked about earlier, we try to bring it home to what's in it for our partners. Why does this matter to them? And then can we get them to celebrate with us, whether it's a product enhancement, a, a cool milestone that we've reached that brings value to their users, et cetera. And, and those have seemed to work really, really well with our partners. Those are two great examples. And it sounds like your relationship with your marketing team and your marketing team's understanding of the value of partnerships is strong. What do you wish that more CMOs or heads of marketing understood about their partnership efforts for those that maybe aren't so fortunate? This is really an interesting and, and controversial topic, but I would say that at every, at most of our partners' organizations, especially in SaaS, there is a revenue number tied to every partner every one of them. At Zapier, we don't do that. And it's interesting and, like I said, controversial in that we look at our partners holistically. Partners are our product. Partners are our moat. Partners are a distribution strategy. Partners are also a revenue strategy, but it's one of multiple different things that we get from our partners. Um, partners are brand recognition, right? Um, so there's many different things that we've been able to work with our partners at a company level to understand their value. Now we're unique. We're not, you know, uh, we don't have a dedicated product that we're selling. And then this is, you know, uh, a, another channel. And so I would say that for Zapier though, um, because I don't hold our partner management and alliances and uh, acquisition teams to a revenue number, it allows us to make the right decision. Um, the right long-term decisions with partners. One of our values is that um, we favor long-term uh, results over short-lived quick wins, basically. And so we're really focused on the long-term relationship with our partner above and beyond any revenue or things that might be coming from that. And so for me, what I wish most CMOs or CROs or, or leadership knew about partnerships, especially on kind of this like long-term integration side, is that revenue isn't the only number you need to be watching. And in fact, if you're only measuring revenue, you're going to miss a lot of really valuable brand, PR, um, just all sorts of benefits that that kind of come with really investing in your partners long-term. Yeah. And I do think Zapier is an anomaly in that. And I did notice that you had not really mentioned revenue when I was talking about how you build out that ideal partner profile. And so if, but, but certainly other companies, right, a revenue number associated with partnerships is a metric to measure what are some of those other maybe softer metrics that should be included? So if I'm a director of partnerships and I'm you know, reporting quarterly, what other metrics should I be reporting in addition to that direct revenue number? Yeah. And again, this varies by the channel mix that you've got, right? If you've got resellers, agencies, you know, integration partners along, it kind of depends. But I'll say this, um, at Zapier, um, we do we do actually watch revenue, but um, it is not our only uh, way of valuing our partners. So um, some of the things that we look at at Zapier that are very important to us. One, um, raw traffic. We have data on all the traffic that our partners send us to which pages. 
Um, we know uh, signups, obviously, from our partners, uh, or at least uh, multi-attribution is a, it's a multi-headed nightmare that everybody's dealing with. But to, to our knowledge, we're tracking that as well and kind of seeing where these signups come from. Um, we are also looking at activation. This is kind of an interesting thing, but you might have a partner that doesn't send a ton of signups, but they're really strong at getting your users to use your product, which is very important. Um, so activations are a key thing that we look at. We look at revenue. So, or how many move from an activated user? We've got a freemium product. So move from a free to a paid version of uh, our product. And some of our partners are really good at driving paid users for whatever the reason that might be. Um, we've got a long-term look at like LTV by partner or revenue by partner. And some of those things are a little bit more debatable based on uh, the data and the attribution models that you want to use. But those are kind of the main metrics that we look at from a partner perspective is, are we generating traffic? Are we generating signups? Are they converting into active users? Are they converting to paid users? And then what does, how does this partner contribute to our overall ecosystem? Like what does churn look like for that partner? Um, are their users generally staying longer or staying shorter? Um, things along those lines are kind of what we look at at Zapier. Well, Cody, this has been a lot of fun. You have shed a ton of light on partnerships, why they matter, how you should market them, and furthermore, how they should be measured. I really appreciate the time. Is there anything else that you wanted to say before we close this out here? Um, I did not bring this up, but PR is a very big part of partnerships. And so I will say this, um, if you're not using it, start using it. Some people have done a very good job. And finally, um, really excited about what you all do at Blast Media, just because uh, those that have done PR in tech know how wonderful and challenging it can be to find the right people to work with. So um, thanks for what you guys are doing. I think it's uh, awesome, the focus that you have on specific B2B SaaS and um, wish I would have found you a long time ago. Let's put it that way. Well, Cody, I will certainly cheers to that. I really appreciate it. Um, you've been a delight. Um, until next time, gang, uh, bottoms up and we will talk soon. Thanks again to Cody for joining us on the show. If you want to try the drink I was drinking, the Gold Rush, we're giving away a limited number of cocktail kits to our listeners delivered straight to your door. Yes, as always, Booze delivered to your door. Could you love us more? You can go to cocktailcourier.com slash sasshalffull and use promo code marketing to claim a free cocktail kit. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. And until next time, bottoms up.